Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Caroline, and I am a library paraprofessional working at the Litchfield Park Branch Library. I'm here with Tim, a library assistant here at Litchfield Park. Today, we are talking about science fiction films that you can watch on Hoopla. Hoopla is a streaming service you can use with your computer, smartphone, tablet, smart TV, or streaming device. We have chosen four very different films. The first film is an influential silent film uh, from Germany in 1927 called Metropolis. The next is another classic science fiction film from 1951, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Then we have a cult classic from 1985, uh, from New Zealand called The Quiet Earth. Finally, we have an action sci-fi film from 1998, Soldier. Each of these films reflect the time they were made. We will get into that more as we discuss them. As a warning, The Quiet Earth is rated R for nudity and adult themes, and Soldier is rated R for violence. Today we are starting with the German expressionist film Metropolis. This is an extremely important film in the sci-fi genre. It has influenced many other sci-fi filmmakers. So Tim, what makes this film so influential? Well, Caroline, from its set design to its character design to the overarching themes that it plays with, Metropolis is still sort of felt today uh, from being the first sci-fi epic that is what we think of as sci-fi. So previously we talked about The Lost World and how that was the first huge sci-fi mm-hmm. movie. This is the first of what we think of as sci-fi oh, yeah. with robots mm-hmm. and a future uh, that has troubles. And so Every, every sci-fi film that's come after that's dealt with those themes owes a tribute to Metropolis yes. to some extent. And then you also have the set design with the Art Deco influences mm-hmm. that still play out anytime you look at, say, a Superman movie mm-hmm. where a Metropolis is these are these big white buildings and the Daily Planet is rotating. And uh, Yeah, and, that, and that's interesting because when I see... Metropolis, the Metropolis, and you have like these L trains and these highways and these flying machines. And except for the flying machines, I see Logan's Run. Yes. And uh, there are many movies and not even just sci-fi movies, just many movies in general take a lot of the idea of a metropolis, a large city, from how Metropolis is presented. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you also have the Machine Man and the look of the Machine Man Mm -hmm. being a robot and how it influenced people like George Lucas and their idea of droids right? and what a droid should look like. And so you feel like or you see that Metropolis, its blood has run through all of these other sci-fi mm-hmm. films and genres and it all gets traced back to here mm-hmm. um, and on top of that you also have a story that continues sci-fi or not continues but 
really truly begins sci-fi's exploration of social issues. Uh, so, Caroline, what did you think of Metropolis? Oh, well, it's it's just a wonderfully made movie. It really is. It, it has everything, and it does everything so well. Like you said, the storyline of the oppressed worker and that is working to make Metropolis this beautiful city for everybody who lives above and all the rich people. And you have the rich decadent people and you have the the workers who are all living in underground and in poverty. So you have that. And then, um, yeah, you were talking about um, the set design is just is is beautiful and you go, okay, this was 1927, and look at everything Fritz Lang did. He, he just, it, it's, it's a great movie. Yes, especially when you think of the time that this movie was made, the amount of special effects work and the amount of actual, like, it still looks good. Mm-hmm. Oh, it does. There are multiple scenes where you're just like, that looks really nice mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a testament to its its filmmaking mm-hmm. and even though it's a silent movie there are multiple scenes of characters talking to each other where you don't get the intercard explaining what they're saying but you understand what they're saying oh, yeah. and you understand what they're telling each other and that all comes across perfectly yeah uh, now it's important to also remember in the time that it was made, the the social troubles. This is right. made in Weimar Republic Germany. This was made as Marxism was on the rise, as uh, Nazism was on the rise, mm-hmm. and all of those elements go into the world of Metropolis. Right. Even though it's set in a future, a future that has uh, what is essentially a television. Uh, yes, when when they're when you're, it kind of starts what you see in a lot of movies, even in um, in two thousand and one, where you aren't just talking to somebody on the phone; you're seeing them as you're speaking to them. You yes. have them on a screen. Yes, and this was before television, and this was when we were still having silent film, and. Metropolis was already predicting you're going to have like a closed circuit television system where you can literally talk to somebody and see them at the same time. Right. And that's that's a remarkable like mm-hmm. prediction and yet it's just done so casually at the beginning of the film right. and then it's just moved on from. It doesn't spend any time explaining it. It's yeah. just like this is the future. Yeah, this is the part of business where we're at in the in the office of the person who actually runs Metropolis. Yes. And this is how he communicates to his, you know, the people that he has working under him. Yes. And uh, those people working under him are presented as, as essentially just cogs in a machine, mm-hmm. his machine. Right. And that's their entire importance, down to the fact that there are two clocks in Metropolis. One is set for 24 hours to represent one day, and the other is set for 10 hours to represent the work shift. Mm-hmm. And so you have, uh, you literally have two separate modes of time mm-hmm. 
One is all work related. One is the actual day. What do you think of all of the choreography in this? Because there is a lot of it. You, we, we, we talked a little bit before the podcast about the very first thing you see is everybody, all the workers going to work, and they are all walking together in lockstep. And then you have the ones coming off their shift and the ones going in their shift. And then you also have what you talked about clocks where the machines, you have these lights, these light bulbs around like a clock and you have the clock hands and there's a person who has to go and put the hands on the, and it's, it's very, it's like a dance. It's very choreographed. Yes. And that theme of everything is controlled by these clock hands is running throughout the movie. Even near the end where Maria is trying to sound the alarm, mm -hmm. the levers to turn the alarm on are clock hands. Mm -hmm. And the concept of everything runs off of time and everything has to be in time. Right. And it's like an engine running. Mm -hmm. It's pervasive throughout everything related to the workers. Mm -hmm. It's not until you get to the above city of Metropolis where there's no clocks, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is a garden and then there's daylight. And, right. Uh, Everybody's partying. Yes. And including to a point where when the power goes out, they just turn on some lanterns and light some torches. Mm -hmm. And that's that's literally, they just keep partying. Anyway. Right, that's all they do is they're partying while everybody else is working themselves to death. Yes. And so I, I think, I, I don't want to go too much into Metropolis with uh, the story because I think it's a story that works best if you're viewing it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Some, some elements are very... Uh, of the acting are a little campy, but we're oh. we're in the early days of cinema. Well, no, you have to remember it's a silent film, yes. and we're not speaking our lines; we're expressing our lines. Exactly. But I I do like the actress who plays Maria. I think that she is so good. But she is campy. But I still think she's good. I mean, how she can change her look from being this angelic person to this evil machine it's 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 yes. pretty good and then we have the ur example of the mad scientist mm -hmm. uh rotwang who is he's a mad scientist but down to the little cottage he lives in to the dungeons underneath mm -hmm. to the pentagrams throughout the house he's essentially playing a fairy tale witch mm -hmm. trying to curse this one family but he still has the gloved hand yes. and he has the hair that's like wild and yes. he's just got this wild german uh, mad scientist look his his look you can see is a clear like great grandfather version of like doc brown from mm -hmm. back to the future even dr strange love you can still see that in um, peter seller's yes. performance and he's he is that ultimate mad scientist um so yes metropolis has so many great moments in it mm -hmm. Um, it's a little over the top, a little campy, but it works right, because it it's a silent film mm -hmm. and it has to be expressive. Yeah, you're, you're going to watch it all the way through, even if you think some of it's campy. Yes. You're, you're going to just, 
it's such a good movie. It's it still is. Yes, and it touches on many social themes that we've discussed in the past, and yet it never feels like it's going out of its way to discuss them. It's just a natural part of its world where it's going to discuss these things. So um, we have another uh, movie very much of its time, um, The Day the Earth Stood Still. And um, Tim, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what you thought of that movie? So The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is based off of a short story called Farewell to the Master by Harry Bates, is a, a really tremendous 1950s sci-fi movie. And when I say 1950s sci-fi movie, I think everyone who likes sci-fi instantly knows the tropes with the the clink clank robots and mm -hmm. uh, the the spacemen and the flying saucers mm -hmm. and uh, a little bit of the the red scare tendencies. Yeah. Um, and but, that, but this is different. Yes. So this plays into all of those tropes, but at the same time doesn't. Mm -hmm. The robot looks like clink clanky. But the robot's very imposing. Right. And he's very, Gort is very, once you actually get into the movie, you instantly see yeah. why people would be intimidated by the robot. Yes, the f but until then, we had these ideas of alien invasion. Yes. You know, um, flying saucers were going to come and the aliens were going to invade the Earth. But this is not that. To an extent, because the ending the ending is definitely in that same genre, but through most of the movie, Michael Rainey's Klaatu is just trying to get somebody to talk to. Right. <laughs> he, he's just trying to read. He wants to talk to the whole earth. Yeah, but, but he wants to be, he's trying to save us though. Yes. He's not trying to hurt us. Yes. He's actually trying to get us to get along. Yes, he's doing his best, and for that he gets shot multiple times right. <laughs> at different points in the movie. <laughs> and somehow, like, you feel for him throughout the movie. He's just trying his best. Right. I mean, he's like the sane... He's like the sane person. He's the sane alien. Yes. And Michael Rainey is... Out of all of the actors and... Uh, out of all the actors we're going to discuss today, and uh, Bruno Lawrence and Kurt Russell both have great performances in mm -hmm. movies, and uh, there are many great performances in Metropolis. Michael Rainey's is probably the one I like the most, mm -hmm. because he is both otherworldly, mm -hmm. but incredibly human, mm -hmm. and very serenely peaceful. Right. And you never get the sense that even after he's been shot... He never seems flustered. Yeah. He doesn't get angry. Yes. Yeah. He's frustrated a couple of times, mm -hmm. but that's more to do with the fact that we just keep, like, giving him the runaround. Right. And yet he always still tries his best. And it's a very hard performance to pull off, mm -hmm. to be both gently, like, nudging us along mm -hmm. while also having a very important message to want to deliver, mm -hmm. and yet Michael Rainey pulls it off. Mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting that the one person who really listened to him and interact with him is a child. Yes. And it's only through this child that 
he gets anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a, just a testament to, I think, human nature. But also in the 50s, the amount of fear, fear going around. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that fear has ever really like gone away. We have different fears now, yes. but the fear at that time was the Red Scare. Yes. And uh, there are multiple moments where people outright say they don't believe that it's an, actually an alien, that it's just one of them. Right. Um, because they're looking at the newspaper, and what's in the newspaper, it's like, well, it's got to have something to do with the Russians. And, yeah. and that's another thing, if you watch, you watch through the movie, is how much the media really spins what's going on and really makes it more fearful. Yes, and doesn't really ever like get called out for it. No, like, it doesn't. Uh, it, it is just, they show up, they're looking to essentially get a story, and then they build on that story. Yeah, even the scenes where they have the reporter going around and talking to the crowd that has um, formed around the, the flying ship, the saucer, and they come to Michael Rennie's character, and they don't want to hear him. Yes. They don't want to hear that what it, he, yeah. it, That it could be just a guy there to give them a message. Right. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to hear that. Yeah. The concept of what the actual message is that Michael Rainey's Klaatu is trying to deliver is one I think that's still relevant today. Mm-hmm. The rest of the universe is watching. Uh, and you can translate that down to the rest of the planet is always watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are always looking to see what you're going to do. Uh, whether or not like you actually want that to be the case mm-hmm. or not, it is. And you just have to sort of understand that because the ultimate reveal is that Klaatu is not the one in charge. Gort is. Mm-hmm. Gort is uh, a part of a police force of these robots. Doesn't that remind you of Green Lantern? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Gnort, the, the dog Green Lantern from uh, the comics. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's I always have to catch myself because I'm so used to saying Gnort, mm-hmm. which is ironic. <laughs> yeah, Gort, Gnort, maybe. You yeah. Know, but, yeah. Uh, but yes, I, I think... Uh, I could just go on about the day the Earth stood still. Mm-hmm. It's tremendous. What did you think, Caroline? Oh yeah, no, it, it it is a, it is, it's a good, it's a good message movie. It really, it really is, and um, it's interesting because it's a savior kind of yes. thing, kind of like a Superman or something. Yes. You know, it's the uh, that kind of a story. Where someone comes to save us and is ridiculed and yeah. shot, and it's he comes off of the very beginning. He walks down the ramp from the flying saucer and wants to give us something that will help us, and it gets shot out of his hand. Yes, yeah. and I think one of the key things, Michael Rainey's performance as. Uh, Klaatu is very Superman-esque, um, eternally patient, eternally kind. The major difference is he's not bulletproof. 
<laughs> so whenever he tries to solve situations and he, he gets shot at, he just gets hurt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you gave him Superman's powers, he would essentially just be Superman. Yeah, it's it's very it's interesting how we're getting so. Maybe this movie was influenced by or influenced some of our comic books. Yeah, it, well, it definitely influenced a lot of science fiction, mm -hmm. especially later. 1950s esque, uh, because a lot of the tropes that the day the Earth stood still plays up are tropes that it helped spawn mm -hmm. uh, with the flying saucers and the clink clink robots and mm -hmm. uh, the indestructible, like awe empowering Gort goes into things like the robot from uh, Lost in Space. And even though they look drastically different, they're still relatively powerful mm -hmm. uh, com especially compared to the human characters um, and the Robbie the Robot uh, style stuff from uh, Twilight Zone uh, where you have this unfeeling uncaring machine although in the case of Gort it does follow a very specific set of protocols mm -hmm. and it it doesn't want to, like, kill people, but at the same time, it doesn't care if it has to. Right. And I don't know. I don't know with Gort. I have a, I have a feeling that he's not necessarily um, has any feelings or anything. Yeah. I think that he's just, you know, he's got, he, he gets his orders yes. from Klaatu, and he does them. Yes. And we, we do learn that... Uh, Klaatu can be overridden by Gort mm -hmm. because Gort is a police officer and if Klaatu doesn't like follow the law, Gort can override Klaatu. Uh, and that's sort of the implication mm -hmm. is that, especially in the short story that it's based on, the end of that short story ends with the robot uh, saying to one of the main characters that Klaatu was never the master. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah, and it does it does make sense because it's more like Klaatu is here to give us an out. Yes. Whereas Gort is just like, this is the way it's going to be. Yes. Yeah. So I think that brings us to our next movie. Yeah, um, The Quiet Earth, which is a very different movie <laughs> and a very trippy movie. And so, Tim, what did you think of The Quiet Earth? And I have to say, I watched this a few years back before Tim, and I just, I had to have him watch it. Because it, we won't tell you the ending, but the ending is pretty wild. So, go ahead, Tim. To be fair, the box, or the, the poster for the movie also... Don't, don't, we don't want to let them know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the, uh, the Quiet Earth is a movie of like two halves. Because the first half of the movie is this gentleman waking up, finding himself alone. We get him going through all the stages <laughs> of essentially grief. Right. And realizing that one of the experiments that he was helping participate in, uh, which we never get a whole lot of information about. Uh, it's the effect. Yes, the effect. Uh has caused everyone else on Earth to vanish. Mm -hmm. And he's left. Yep, but did they vanish? Or 
Did he go somewhere else? Yes. Or is it all in his mind? Yes, because he does go completely crazy.、Mm-hmm. He does. And the first half of the movie is his descent into madness,、mm-hmm. and then midway through the movie, he encounters someone else,、mm-hmm. and. He's already reached the stage where he's cycled back around、yeah. to being、uh, himself again. <laughs> right. It, it's like he goes through a cleansing. He goes to the ocean, and、um, that's very symbolic. And then he straightens himself out and starts to say, "I got to get my act together here. I got to get my head together here.、Um, I'm alone, but I have to keep going." Yes, because earlier he was setting up cardboard posters of famous people. And talking and giving speeches from his podium. Yeah, it's like I am God now. I'm the only one here, and、uh, yeah, I'm yeah. the ruler. And yes, so he he went completely insane, cycled back around, flipped、mm-hmm. over the odometer, and started again.、Mm-hmm. And then he meets somebody else, and then he meets a third person. Right. And they start realizing there may be more going on.、Mm-hmm. Then you you get to the ending, and the ending is very. The movie ending is very different to the story that it's based on.、Mm-hmm. Um, but the the ending of the movie is very、uh, very good. Yeah, I I think it it really makes the movie. Yes. And、uh, the trippiness of the movie is every once in a while the effect. Kind of happens. Yes. So you get kind of these these strange effects that are special effects that are done it, it, to the point of one time people are like walking on the walls. Yes. And you could very easily like take out the effects stuff, take out most of the back half of this movie, and you would have a movie about a man who's just going crazy. That's true. And. Bruno Lawrence is great. Yes, he is. Especially the first half of the movie, because the first half of the movie is、He's、just him. Yes, and it's built around you feeling for this guy、mm-hmm. as he's losing his mind.、Um, but you can easily like have a cut of this movie where it's just it turns out he's just in an insane asylum,、mm-hmm. and he's just going crazy, and the other people he meet are just he meets、mm-hmm. are just. Other patients,、mm-hmm. and you could very easily have that. And you you get kind of that in the actual book. I have read the book, The Quiet Earth,、uh, by Craig Harrison, and it kind of questions that. It kind、yes. of says, "Could it? Is this really going on?" And、um, when he meets the、um, Maori character, this is does take place in New Zealand, and there's a lot of racial tension in there, and there's a lot of that in the book that you don't get in the movie. There's a there's a little bit, especially once all three are together. There's a just a a touch of it. Yeah, there's a little bit of it, but I I also get the sense of you have Joanne wanting to be the one who's. Who keeps everybody happy? Yes, and、um, you get a lot of kind of sexual tension because you have two men and one woman. Yes, and、um, they, she's like, we all have to get along together because we're the only people left. Yes, and the then you get to the ending, and the ending is 
is its own thing and mm -hmm. you could talk a lot about the ending yeah and, and but we don't want to do that because yes. it's it's an important part of the movie yes. and you and you need to to see it yourselves yes um as as it reacts to sci-fi it's very insular this movie while it does deal with some social issues it's it's very much about what it means to be part of society mm -hmm. And what it means to no longer have society at all mm -hmm. or anyone. So we were talking about how the other movies were of their time. Yes. How would you say that The Quiet Earth is of the 1980s? Because this is a 1985 film. It's it's definitely fearful because he's a scientist working on this international project with the U.S. Um, at the height of the Cold War. And it's kind of funny because it's like it's almost like you go, oh yeah, of course the the project went wrong. It had something to do with the Americans. Well, and it's very uh, allegorical. You could very easily say this is like a nuclear bomb went off and somehow he's the only one who survived. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what it feels like for the first half of this movie. Right. And so it, it is very much of that feeling of like, oh, we could just all be gone tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And in this movie, that's, that's literally what happens. Mm -hmm. We are just all gone and it's just this guy left. And it, what would you do in that scenario? I think most of us would probably end up going a little crazy. Right. And he does do some things um, that we haven't talked about where he goes to a radio station and sends out in loop, um, if, you're, if there's anybody else still around, I am living here, please call me at this number. Or he'll go around in one of those um, police cars that has like the bullhorn on yes. it and... and with that message going. Yeah. So, and you see that in, in other things, in other sci-fi things or people trying to connect. Yes. And he's desperately searching for other people. Mm -hmm. uh, and the breakdown is slow for him at first, mm -hmm. where the first major step is him realizing he doesn't have to stay in his apartment. Mm -hmm. And he just goes and moves into a mansion. Right. And then you start getting him to slowly, like, break out more and more. But then once he does, he slides really quickly. Because it becomes, well, why am I doing this? Why yes. am I getting up in the morning? Why am I wearing these clothes? Why am I even caring about if there's a wrapper on the floor? Yes. Or, yeah. And then the ultimate answer just becomes, because. Mm -hmm. And that's what he has to do to stay sane. Right. And... That's all just the first half of this movie. Mm -hmm. And it's incredibly engrossing to where when other people do show up, you're just like, oh, yeah, there's another whole half mm -hmm. of this movie. And I do like when they when they meet that, except with, with Oppie, he, he is a bit of on the defensive side at the beginning. But they do embrace each other. Yeah. Because it's, I don't care if, if you're different or if you might be a bad person and could hurt me. I'm just so happy to see another person. I'm going to hug you. Yes. Yeah. And smile and say, thank goodness there's another person here. Yes. And the, the quiet earth is very, very well done. It is a very, uh, out of all of these movies, I would say it's actually probably the slowest. 
just because it's so much of a character study mm -hmm. for the first half that it's it's very much just Bruno Lawrence. Mm -hmm. Watch him. <laughs> okay. So let's go from being quiet to being a little bit more action-packed and yes. explosions. And that is uh, the movie Soldier and another great actor, Kurt Russell. Yes. So, Tim, what did you think of Soldier? So, uh, you mentioned going from something more quiet to something louder, which is ironic because one of the things that makes Soldier somewhat notable is that its lead character only has 104 words the entire movie. And I'm amazed they actually somebody watched this movie and counted yes. the words. But the thing is, is everything he says is important. Yes. And it's definitely an action movie. You can spot its influences from the action genre just throughout this movie. Oh, yeah. And it's very clear. Um, the writer also wrote, co-wrote the Blade Runner movie. And so there are some tributes and sort of like... Yeah, and my husband and I, we are so into Blade Runner. And when the the name Tannhauser Gates comes in, when that is said, we're like, wait a second, that's that's Blade Runner. Yes. So yeah. And there's so the the writer has said this is a, sort of like a side story set in the same universe, and you could very easily see it as that, and you can also not have seen Blade Runner at all, and it's works perfectly fine. Yeah, but we were also talking about other movies that you yes. see in it, like Predator. Yes. You see Predator in there, and you see, you saw a lot more Easter eggs than I did. Yes, there are Easter eggs. Uh, some of the places that he fights, some of the medals that he's won are all tributes to other movies, uh, like Aliens or Escape from New York. And so there's a lot of, like, it's a celebration of science fiction It is, almost. yeah. And... At the same time, it's also this very gritty, like, the people who got left behind. Not just soldiers who got discarded after wars, but also people. Just normal citizens who got forgotten about. Mm -hmm. And banding together on this literal, like, trash planet. Right. And making a new life for themselves. And, you know, it's really sad because it makes it sound like this community, these people were left for trash. Or we had this soldier who's actually considered the old version of a soldier because there's new versions that have come. And um, it's about the new replacing the old and that you, you have taken this old soldier and turned him into trash. Yes. And you're taking all the experience out of your your military you're taking all of your experience out of your civilization mm -hmm. and you're just discarding it right and that's that's a still a very poignant message mm -hmm. and it's uh it's presented in a way that's very action packed and there's some cheesy moments like somehow even speaking 104 words Kurt Russell still gets cheesy action lines, <laughs> like when the lead actress in the movie questions what he's going to do when the new soldiers show up, mm -hmm. he just turns and says, I'm going to kill them all, mm -hmm. and then leaves, <laughs> and you're just like, okay. I think it's very interesting. He, he, part of this is 
uh, movie is about how soldiers, when they've come back from war, have a hard time getting back into society. And he will watch everybody, and he's not quite sure where he fits in and what he should be doing because he's never been a part of a community before. Yes. And I, I thought it was very interesting. Whenever he talks to this woman, he calls her sir because everybody is sir. Yes. And he was raised from a baby to be a soldier. Mm -hmm. And he has lived his entire life training to be a soldier. And then he gets thrown out as literal trash. Right. And because the new soldiers have been brought. Yes, he's been replaced. Right. And somehow he manages to find a place for himself. And at first, people are wary of him. Uh, there are moments where all the noise and sound causes him to start having flashbacks. Right. And he attacks one of the other, one of the colonists, uh, who catches him by surprise. Mm -hmm. And when a young boy is going to be attacked by a snake, he saves him, but then he also lets the snake go and goes to show the boy how to get rid of the snake mm -hmm. with a boot. And But he doesn't go to save the boy again. He's going to save him once, show him how to stop the snake, right. and then let him decide what he wants to do. <laughs> but see, the thing is that that's very important scene because the parents go, what are you doing? Our child is going to be you know, uh, bit by the snake. And then the father realizes, and the mother, that he's important to their community because their community does not know how to fight back. Yes. And he wants to show them how to fight back. Yes. He has a skill right. that he can still impart and teach people, and that's how to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. And so there's this experience that he has that he can he can teach and he can uh, participate in. And so all of that story is wrapped up in this this action movie. Mm -hmm. And the action's good, but it, it is very reminiscent of other movies. Right. Uh, in fact, this movie works the best when it's not in the action scenes. You're right, yeah, it does. Uh, it's very, Kurt Russell is great at playing this sort of like haunted, like I don't fit in anywhere, personality. And he doesn't need to speak. A lot of um, reviewers have put the movie down because he doesn't say very much, but he's an awesome actor and he just needs to show it in his face and um, in how he moves. Um, there are scenes where he's like, he he's so conflicted. He's just standing there so rigid with his, his fists clenched. And he just needs to do those things to express. It's almost like going back to Metropolis. We don't yes. need the people to tell us or to talk to us. They can show us and act for us with their expressions. Well, and I think that's something we see in all four of these movies, is that with Michael Rainey being this, just looking at him, he imparts the sense of calm resoluteness. And the characters in Metropolis are all expressive and it's a silent film and Bruno Lawrence carrying the, the first half of The Quiet Earth just showing this man's descent into madness mm -hmm. and then Kurt Russell and Soldier only speaking 104 words 
you can get across a good science fiction story mm -hmm. just by emotion and personality. And that's something that ties all of these movies together. You get exactly who each of these four separate like groups of characters are just from how they act. Mm -hmm. And good science fiction is about emotion and is about people. And even when it's about creatures who are emotionless, it's still about emotion. It's about mm -hmm. the lack of emotion. So good science fiction tells stories about social issues that make you feel something. Mm -hmm. And all of these characters can make you feel something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what really ties all of this together. So, Tim, I would like to thank you and thank everyone uh, for listening today. And I think Tim and I had a lot of fun talking about these films. There are many fun sci-fi movies on Hoopla for you to watch. We hope you will give Hoopla a try and come back again next week for another Self-Logic podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.